from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 262, The Ectoplasmic Adventures Continue. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm Grub. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, yeah, based on the topics we're covering today, I thought that might be a decent title. I don't know. I, I just pulled this <laughs> crap out of my butt already. But uh, <laughs> not only joining Grub and myself, uh, we are joined by another guest. Uh, he has had me on his show twice. Uh, which is the Sarlacc Digest. Uh, it is awesome. You should go check it out if you love Star Wars stuff and you love positive Star Wars stuff. Like they don't, they don't negate when they don't like something. That doesn't happen. They will absolutely talk about that, but they will, but they try to keep their focus on the stuff they love about Star Wars. And that's why I love listening to their show. He's been a longtime listener of, of Star Joe's. Uh, I will definitely have to have him on many times in the future, uh, if at all possible. And uh, he not only is he a fan of Star Joe's and does his own podcast, but he is also the cover art, the back cover artist for issue two of Stealth Hammer. Uh, I'd like to welcome Mr. Scott Kruger to the show. Thank you for joining us tonight. What's up, nerds? How's it going? And just to let you know, that is his intro all the time. So he, and, and nerd is a term term of endearment, as yeah. we often say. So absolutely. So, um, but yes, also, uh, Scott's a huge, uh, into all the toys, all the properties that we cover on the show. Again, it's my fault for not having him on sooner because he will fit in right in with everything that we will be talking about tonight and anything we ever talk about on the show ever. Uh, <laughs> if you're on TikTok, he does one minute toy reviews, which I absolutely love watching. Um, and he's got everything from Mask to Star Wars to G.I. Joe to Visionaries. Visionaries, yes. You, yeah. yeah, you've been doing Visionaries. Yeah, that, that yeah. those are awesome. So, 
Um, so yeah, love having you on the show. Uh, looking forward to your insight into everything. Uh, did I cover everything for you that you've done so far? <laughs> uh, I was a cover artist for yes. Star Wars Adventures number one. Also, that was my yes. very first officially official published comic book art. So yes. yeah, that was that was my that's my claim to fame. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my hat on that for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't blame you. That was an awesome <laughs> thing to be able to do. I was like I was very envious when I saw that. I was like I was like oh I got I got to break into into there somehow one day. <laughs> one day I need to add to the Star Wars canon somehow. So wouldn't that be cool? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I did want to briefly mention. Uh, I mentioned it to the Patreon members, uh, and if you follow. <laughs> me at all uh you already know this but i briefly wanted to mention that that stealth hammer issue two what the kickstarter was successful i never got to mention it on an episode because we hadn't recorded one since that happened um so we are making issue two uh scott has already submitted his artwork so we're good with that uh chrissy zulo who's already done her variant cover we're good with that so now joel and Chris Sotomayor are working on the rest of the pages, and then we will get it out. And I have been floored by the work that Joel has been doing and that Chris has been doing, because uh, they, uh, well, Chris has always had his his game up there, but Joel has definitely upped his game in, in issue two. I feel like my writing is upped since for issue two. Uh, I feel like it's much better. And Grub is going to be making an appearance in issue two once again. Uh, Yay! So, awesome. <laughs> so it's more like my hair will be making it appear. Yeah. <laughs> and um, even we on the Sarlacc Digest announced it that, that your that your stealth yes. hammer number two was coming. Yes, absolutely. You haven't that even was done awesome. that? No, I haven't even. Well, we haven't recorded an episode in a while. I've been busy. A minute. I've been busy. I've been, yeah. I've been stressed the hell out about reaching my goal. <laughs> Mr. Uh, hey, I'm on TV. Right. Well, there was that too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the thing too. Like my, my wife was my PR guru and she was getting me connected with so many podcasts and so many shows and everything else. And, uh, I was, I did two to three times as many shows for issue two that I did for issue one. Um, it was, it was like literally one night I did four shows. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so it was a lot. And the, like the news thing that you, you briefly mentioned that was, uh, Toledo news had, had me on and we did an interview and it actually made it to the air and they never told me it went to the air. They, I just thought it was gonna be on their website. And then all of a sudden, couple days ago my wife's like hey uh i was searching south hammer and i came across this did you know it actually made it onto the toledo news and i was like no i did not <laughs> man that is so cool though come yeah, on it is. it is it's very cool i told joel we're conquering the country one city at a time so <laughs> um but on but with doing that uh having that out there i had toledo city paper contact me and they're doing an interview with they've done an interview with me that's going to be in the paper on the 22nd of That's December. Awesome. So yeah, trying to keep it in the zeitgeist, trying to keep on top of everything, you know, got to keep getting the word out there until Netflix finally contacts me and says, Hey, we want to do a series. So, Oh, um, now that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Well, they are picking up like left and right. I don't know if you've kept up with like, they're picking up comic properties, like from everywhere, not necessarily doing all of them, but they're just trying to snatch the ones that they can. So I just got to get in front of their faces and, <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, their um, headquarters is out here in Hollywood, so you know I know right go. where it's at. You know, I'll take you there. I was gonna say, we'll we'll go there. I'm, yeah. I'll just knock on their door and be like, hey, we need to talk. Uh, <laughs> I, I got something for you. So yeah, so very excited. Uh, got a lot of work ahead, but uh, but uh, yeah, I'm very very excited to get that issue out there. And then we're just gonna, uh, and I'm actually gonna be doing some conventions next year, um, barring any more crazy pandemic situations oh. or natural catastrophes or anything like that. Um, so yeah, so looking forward to actually getting out there, meeting people and getting it into their hands. So, uh, should be a good time. Uh, but yeah, there's been a lot that's happened, uh, since, since we were together, bef- uh, in the past and did an episode. Like yeah, it was about a month ago. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, I should be able to actually get this out the next day. Uh, I, I know what my day is looking like tomorrow at work and I'll be able to listen, edit while I'm doing some scheduling stuff. So, uh, so I should be able to get this out Friday night. So we're recording Thursday night, should be out Friday night. Um, but we'll see what happens. So first thing I wanted to, to touch on, uh, because it's concluded and it, it kind of is a nice transition from my Kickstarter into other crowdfunding <laughs> <laughs> is HasLab. Uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Grub, you and I talked about this last episode uh, yep. about having three projects out there and everything else, and two of the three made it. <laughs> I was honestly surprised by that. Yeah, I was too. Um, I mean, because at that point, when I think we talked, I think the proton pack had had already yes, yeah, um, and they well, that was like being, day two. Yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, for a four hundred dollar freaking thing, I mean, yeah, which is also dumb in that you don't get the wand right. <laughs> and apparently the wand is like constantly sold out yeah so it's like okay so you've got the pack and you got and you get the hose and everything but you can't get the wand right. yeah the wand is like another 125 dollars i believe yeah yeah it should have been part of it yes yeah. should have been a sh- I, I well, agree. Yeah. yeah and for that price it should actually shoot out <laughs> streams <laughs> You just load a can of silly string in it and hit the button and I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Now, I, we we talked about this to death on the Sarlacc Digest, and that is the idiocy of running three high dollar yes. Haslab projects all at once, all during the holidays. Yes. Um, and the mismanagement of the Rancor project. I, I'm sorry. Oh my but god! Yeah. It it was so horribly managed. That uh, I I didn't back it. I waited to see how the Sky Striker was doing. I have a complete collection of GI Joes from '82 to '94, so I don't need a Sky Striker. But that Sky Striker looked pretty freaking cool. So yeah. I was waiting to see if it was going to near funding. And once it started nearing the the goal, I'm like, okay, I'll go ahead and throw my hat in the ring and, and order that thing. But the Rancor was never on my radar. Yeah, it wasn't. For me either, and the Rancor is my favorite creature in Star Wars. Like, well, it Return is, of the Jedi is your favorite Star Wars. Yeah, movie, yeah, 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 and yeah. So, but yeah, the Rancor is like my number one Star Wars creature. So I was all about it. And to be perfectly honest, when I saw it, I wasn't impressed with it. Yeah, and that's what and that's what kept me away from it for a while. But then I was like, I'll see what the tears are going to be and stuff like that. And then once I saw what the tears were, I was like, I'm even less impressed now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that, you know, yes, they, they quote unquote fixed it later. Uh, yeah. the fact that the Rancor Keeper wasn't going to be part of it, even as a <laughs> tier, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, 
No, let's give you some stuff you've already got. Right. We're going to put it in a brand new package, and right. then we're going to give you a cardboard insert that should be in your – actually, it's not even a cardboard insert. It's a decal that came with cardboard that you put yes. it on yourself yeah. with a couple bones. I mean, come on. Yeah. And and it, was an, it was an insult, basically. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I have the uh, the one that's the Target. It was it was a Target exclusive, but then they repackaged it with Toys R Us for the with the Java's Palace thing. Oh yeah, that one is phenomenal looking. It is my favorite Rancor that they've ever done. And I'm like, that looked better than the Haslab Rancor. Yeah, paint wise and everything. Um, and so yeah, it was just very disappointing. And I'm like, and it's a lot of money. And I'm like, if I'm going to put that kind of money in, I want to make sure I'm getting something good. But like, it kills me that all the fans knew what the what figures should have come with the Rancor and Haslab yeah. didn't, <laughs> yeah, or they were just and, be, or they were just being cheap. I mean, and I know a lot of people are also screaming that they wanted Ula, but honestly, Ula, I, I think it's it'll be a very long time if ever that yeah. we ever see a quote unquote slave girl figure. I it's yeah, yeah I agree but if there was ever a time to have Ula it would have been with the Haslab project I agree I so. because it wouldn't be carted on a shelf on a right. peg where you know some kid could walk up and see it and go oh my god yeah and it made sense it made sense for the Rancor yeah <laughs> like Absolutely. unlike Salacious also, Crumb who you're throwing out there for <laughs> it's also a question to ask what is the purpose of Haslab if it's right. to make stuff that you know, likely will is not going to happen at retail, right? Something like, I mean, are they really? You know, the the Rancor Keeper and Ula are the two perfect figures that should come with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think the Rancor as a Black Series Haslab is a good idea. Absolutely. However, clearly the execution of it was bad. Yeah. Um, but I feel like Ula and the Rancor Keeper should have. <laughs> oh man! Not that I was going to buy it because I don't really buy the Black Series, but yeah, they should have been made for that. Um, yeah, if, this... if, unless that's not what you want out of Haslab. Okay, then if it's not what you want, okay, I get it. But what is the purpose of Haslab? Yeah, if not to do stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I think they should stick with three three. Number one, the Black Series. Looks great. I'm looking up at a, a few of them right now, and the, the six inch scale looks great. But whenever you it comes to those larger scale items, like I'm also looking at the um, snow speeder, yeah. the thing is massive, and there's yeah. there's no real room for it. I had no place to put the Rancor anyway. Well, so that I, was that was the other thing that held me back because I have a, um, a the Tie Fighter six inch scale yeah. Tie Fighter. I have no place to put it, and I don't know what to do with it now because I can't really sell it unless I'm selling it to someone locally. Uh-huh. Um, so the only thing I, I might do with it, I saw somebody do this and I heard it mentioned a few times is I might like uh, this coming spring, I might get like a piece of wood to like, and create like a ta- uh, end table out of it. I did that. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I did. I, uh, I got a glass top. Yeah. And some stabilizers for the uh, top of it. And I turned it into a table until I sold it. So yeah. 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 And I was like, well, that then at least it it looks cool. It works as like an end table in my geek room here, and I can put other stuff on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it works for that. But other than that, I'm like, it's just taking up space. And like you said, with the Rancor, where the hell do I put it? It's like the size of a small child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
which for my favorite creature, I, I would be willing to find space. So like, even though space was an issue for me with it, it was, that would have been one I could have overcome somehow. Um, if all the other things weren't like making me steer clear of it. So, um, now on the flip side, one that struggled, but then they did make a correction that I think did draw a lot of people in was the sky striker. Um, Uh I, I think that they also were making some critical errors with what they were doing. And then when they threw in the Cobra commander and, and all that, then it was like, then everyone jumped on it and everyone was like, okay, this, this one's worth doing because they're actually making it worth my money to, to get this thing. So, yeah, I think it's, it's not just the Cobra commander though. It's the Cobra commander and the failure of the Rancor because one thing that Hasbro also doesn't realize apparently is that there are people who enjoy all of these properties who might not be millionaires. They can afford, you know, multiples of each item, you know, I mean, I'd love to get a proton pack, but uh, no, right. I got to pick and choose. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's and the the Sky Striker, like you mentioned, looks amazing. I love all the stuff that comes with it. Um, it's definitely an upscale model, which again, to your point, Eric, is what Haslab should be. It should be for these things that could never be made, but we always wanted, or for an upscale version of something that had been out before. Like, right. I mean, I think there's been arguments to be had about you could have made a new Sky Striker and sold it at retail with no problem. I agree. So maybe it's not the wisest choice, but I felt like the only negative knock on the Sky Striker, I mean, okay, maybe it's a little too expensive, uh-huh. was the fact that it was competing for Christmas money against two other Hazlaps yeah. at the same time. Yeah. I feel like if it, if it hadn't been for that, I think that you wouldn't, there would have been no real complaining about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think something like maybe like a whale or something other than a sky striker may have been a better choice, but yeah, it looks to me like they nailed it with, cause it's, I think it's slightly bigger than the original ones. Barely. Yeah. Um, just a little bit. And with all the stuff it's coming with. Well, I love the thing that they fixed on it was the, the mechanism that moves the wings no longer controls the landing gear. Yes. That so was you awesome. can. Yeah, you can actually have the wings extended while in flight mode, and it looks fantastic. And yeah. to me, that was that was actually a major selling point. Well, and I love the fact, too, tied into that, is the fact that you could do so many different poses and positions with it, like you could with a figure almost, to have it in the position you want it for your display. And yeah. then if you changed your mind and how you wanted to display it, you could very easily do that. You know, you could have missiles firing from it. You could have it up in the air. You could have it on the ground. You could have the wings out. You could have the wings in. Like, you can do so many different things with it because of all these additional things that they did to it and accessories that they put in with it. Yeah. And, and now when they, whenever they do the Rattler, you can do the inverted Top Gun scene now. Oh, yes. Get out of my head! No, that was a <laughs> the, the, the wings in that scene were 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 out, not back. Yeah. Yep. So. yep. Well, and a comic. Yeah, and if they ever do, if they ever do a whale, I will totally be there. Um, I have a whale, but I still would love to see what Hasla do with a whale. Now. Yeah. Yes, you do. Uh, you got a hell of a deal there. I got uh, it for a hundred dollars. I got a. A whale, a sky striker, a rattler, uh, a bridge layer, a hiss, a hiss tank, the howl laser, 
Uh, and apparently he's also going to give me one of the little pack rats with all the missiles. Oh, nice. Uh, and a couple of, you know, a bunch of the, oh, and a pretty messed up, you know, missing a lot of parts, uh, dragonfly. Um, but. Wow. hundred bucks? Stuff, like, dude, I don't, I can't even begin to tell you, like, okay, there's, like, the, the whale, um, one of the wheels on the bottom is missing, easy enough to replace. Mm-hmm. One of the propeller, uh, fan blade things on the back has got to be replaced. Not easy to replace. Um, yeah, that, yeah those, that's not. <laughs> those are tough. Well, I mean, when I started looking around, people do sell parts, but I'm not too, like I said, it's not too bad. And then I, and then I got to replace the, uh, one of the missile, uh, racks on the side, the stand that the missile rack clicks onto broke off. Mm. All things considered, it's all there otherwise. Great deal. Yeah. Um, the Sky Striker, I got a, the front landing gear. I have to, I guess I take it apart, put the front landing gear back in place. The Rattler, one of the, uh, um, the back landing gears is broken off. Uh, you know, it, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's a couple of small things here and there. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I got like, okay. Yeah. For a hundred bucks here, take my and money also, right now. <laughs> and I got it because I made a joke to a friend of mine. Um, Cause he, he, he showed me all this like, like Kenner Star Wars stuff. And he's like, oh, I got this for like 250. And I was like, man, I wish somebody would sell me a bunch of cool Joe stuff for cheap like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Actually, hold on a minute. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so he was basically the middleman. Um, that's awesome. That's insane. But yeah, like my, my five year old is plays with the Rattler constantly. Like I never had a Rattler as a kid. I never had a bridge lighter. I always wanted them. Now I have them. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's great, man. <laughs> So and my kid plays with them all. It's it's GI Joe and Cobra versus dinosaurs. But you know. <laughs> there was the the Dino Hunters existed, man. Just saying, you know. Yeah, that's true. That is yeah. true. Yeah. Well, these are all like Jurassic Park dinosaurs. So. Still, works. Still works. Yeah, still works. Still works. <laughs> uh, you know, these thirty eight year old plastic toys, man. It's amazing that they're in that great a condition still. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. Look, I need to clean them up a little bit, but otherwise, like I cannot complain about the yeah. the majority of this stuff. My buddy Kevin that I used to do the Nerds with Attitude podcast with, he just bought a a complete whale for three hundred. Oh wow! Oh, so yeah. there you go, man. There, there's your com- Oh yeah, no, no. Trust me, I started looking up, and I'm like, wow, like yeah. What I just paid, I could easily like quadruple my money. Yeah, real fast. Yeah, I've got a complete whale. Um, I think all the parts are there, like <clears throat> the fans are there and everything, and I'm just like. I, I can't remember what I paid, but I, I think maybe I paid 50 bucks for it when I got it. And that was seven, eight years ago. Something like that is when I got that. And then, uh, I bought, I think I bought it off of Chuck. I bought not the whale, but I bought, um, well, maybe I bought the whale off of Chuck too. I don't know, but, uh, I bought the APC off of Chuck and it had, it had the turret on it, which is the part that is always missing on the APC. <laughs> um, but I have that. And then, uh, also bought from Chuck, the, uh, the big ass millennium Falcon. And he told oh, me that thing is beautiful. It is. It's absolutely gorgeous. And he's like, if you ever want to sell it back to me, let me know. And I was like, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm never selling it back <laughs> to you. <laughs> if I ever sell it, I will sell it right back to you for the, for the exact same price because you sold it to me for the, what the price, you know, what you paid for it. So it's only fair to do that back to you. But, I was like, but I'm never selling it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to jump back real quick to the Aslab Sky Yeah, Park. yeah. I could not believe when I, I like the last, I don't even know, 12 hours, 10 hours, 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it just flew. No pun intended, but it flew like skyrocketed up there. Yeah, it it went, it went freaking nuts. And it was like 10, it it almost basically doubled in like a 10 hour span. And I'm like, how, like, I understand some of it is, is people jumping money over from, from, uh, uh, Rancor. Rancor. From the Rancor. I understand that some of those people were waiting the last minute until they saw that it got close to funded or funded or what have you. Um, but I just like, it, it was like every 20 minutes, there's another 500 and then yeah. another 500 backers, 500 backers. I'm like, sweet Jesus. <laughs> I could not believe how, cause I, this is the first, this is the only as lab I've ever been a part of. And I just could not believe yeah. how much it jumped in at the end. Um, yeah. I just missed that last, um, the last one with the, the cool ground crew. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm, oh man, I keep hoping they're like, well, if you want to, we'll go ahead and sell you a pack of these if you want for extra. I'm like, that's what I keep hoping. I don't think it's not going to happen, but, uh, cause I like, I want those guys. Yeah. Part of, part of, this is my third Haslab. I, I got the barge and I got the uh, Razor Crest. So nice. part of the problem also was, and I know it's not Hasbro's fault. I, I absolutely am aware of that. The, Razor Crests are somewhere out in the middle of the ocean right now, waiting to find their way home. <laughs> but, um, you know, I paid for that thing a year and a half ago, and it's not in my hands yet. And I'm just, I was just a little bit leery of giving the team more money. But that's how I feel about Super Seven stuff. Is yeah. is you know, there's some of those that I backed or you know because really let's face it super seven you're basically doing a crowdfunding for them too oh uh, yeah because they they don't have these things already made um and yeah some of those things it's like we're going on a year and a half and i'm like where the hell are they (laughs) that sky striker's not supposed to ship till it's gonna be like a year and a half before it ships oh yeah yeah oh yeah it's like oh Okay, yeah, you're Hasbro, man. I'm pretty certain you've got the facilities to make this happen quicker. But yeah. okay, I, I don't know, man. I've I've gone on tangents before. You you did say that we try and keep it positive on our show, and we do. But Hasbro is kind of uh, they blow it all the time. Oh yeah, They're, and and you know whereas Mattel, and I've said it before. You know, a He-Man cartoon can hit the air, and you can go to Target the next day, and you can find He-Man and Skeletor and and Moss Man and Evil yep. Lynn, but a Star Wars movie that they know is coming drops or a a TV show drops. And, you know, we just got the pre-order yesterday for, uh, for the book of Boba Fett, Boba Fett and, uh, Fennec Shand. And they're not supposed to drop until next December. Well, look at the, yeah, look at, well, look at the bad batch figures. Oh, I know the bad batch figures took forever to come out. Yeah. And we still don't have all of them. No, we don't. And it's it's ridiculous the way that they they manage it. You know, they give you all these pipeline figures where you can expect, oh, look at how great this is. Don't worry, you'll have it in your hands in a year and a half. Right. And like I don't I understand things like um to an extent. I understand things like Grogu. Like mm-hmm. that they didn't know that that was going to take off like it did. I get that. Right. But you had nothing at all out there. Yeah. When that hit like there should have been a figure or a plushie at least something out there. Like, now, yeah, but yeah. you look at Boba Fett. I mean, it's right. 
freaking Boba Fett. Right. Man. It's it's Everybody a known loves Boba Fett. It's like they the snake. It's the snake eyes of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. They had a year to get this in people's hands. Yeah. For the debut of the show next week. Right. There should be Book of Boba Fett figures in our hands next week. I agree. I agree. But they can't do it. And I don't know what it is about Playmates and Mattel that they can get it right. All their toys are made in China, too. Yeah. How come they can get it right in Hasbro, for the love of God, the, what, the largest or second largest toy manufacturer in the world can't get it right? Yeah. Well, and that blows my mind when it comes to comics, and we'll get into those in a little bit, but, like, Marvel has a Doctor Strange movie coming out, and they just... They're just wrapping up Death of Doctor Strange, which means the Doctor Strange you're going to see on the screen is not going to be the Doctor Strange that's in the comic book. Tell me how much sense that makes. It doesn't make any sense at all. Like, and they, they're constantly doing that. They're constantly changing the characters versus what is going to be on the screen. And I'm like, and I've asked my local comic shop guy, and I know I've heard this from, I've heard the opposite from comic shop owners, but my comic shop owner has told me, he's like, I do, he said, it doesn't happen a lot, but I do have people that come into the shop after seeing the movies and want to, and say, what would be good for me to get? And he says, I always have to refer to them to the older trades because there's nothing currently out for the character they just saw on the screen. (laughs) So. That's just sad. Yeah, it is. But um, one thing I'm curious uh, about your guys' thoughts, I have my opinion on, on, the reality of it uh, as far as what I think should happen. But uh, if I'm curious if you guys think it would ever happen and uh, how successful you think it would be for if they did it by itself with no other HasLab projects going on, the fans have been screaming for it for years now, ever since HasLab appeared. What do you think the likelihood and do you think it would be successful if they ever did a USS flag? Ha. Um, <laughs> I'll let Eric take this one first. <laughs> I think it would sure as hell drum up a lot of interest and a lot of talk. But I suspect you're, you'd be looking at easily 750 to $1,000. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And I think that price would make it... I, unobtainable, maybe? I don't know if unattainable, but it, it sure as hell would put a serious damper on it. Yeah. And, and then the thing is, how many would you have to make in order to... Okay, if you needed that um, the $500 or $400 proton pack, they needed 7000 Yeah, I something think. like that. So if you've got, say, a $750 flag, how many would you have to sell? 5000 <laughs> Minimum? Probably somewhere around there. Yeah. I think, I don't know if you could hit that number because I think the price would just be way too prohibitive. I could see maybe if, if maybe they decided to try and break it up into thirds. I know that sounds like a weird (laughs) way to describe it, but I just, I think the cost would be way too prohibitive. You know, as much as I would want one, I would balk seriously at that. Like, yeah. I mean, how, 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 you know, not only, okay, not only could I, how am I going to justify that when 
you know, you're that's like a monthly mortgage. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, I don't make that. I mean, I, I make decent money, but I don't make that kind of money. Right. Yeah. Now, where, where the hell would I ever put it? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was going to get at. As as an owner of an original flag, there uh, nothing quite prepared me for the reality of owning the flag and <laughs> where it was going to go. My wife gave me the challenge. Uh, I, I, an opportunity came up. I could get one shipped to me from New York for three hundred dollars. Oh, wow. And this was about 10, 12 years ago. And even even then, did, that was a pretty damn good price. <laughs> oh, it was an amazing price. <laughs> yeah. And she said, I tell you what, if you can if you can figure out how to get it into your toy room, you go right on ahead and you order, you, you buy that thing. And I'm like, challenge accepted. <laughs> but the sheer reality of it is, it is a wall of my toy room. Literally, yeah, from yeah. end to end of one wall of my toy room is the USS flag. Yeah. And it's... It's great, but God, it's massive and it's cumbersome and it's fragile. And yeah. it, <laughs> if they make it now, I don't know if they would be willing to go quite that large because they had been talking in the past about making an updated USS flag, but everything was very, <clears throat> I don't know, like it was around the time of Resolute. Like G.I. Joe Resolute came out, they were talking about making a flag, but it was going to be about three quarters the size. And I yeah. think that's, that's, that's like half assing it. You know, I, I like agree. Yeah. You want them to do right by it. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't, so I know that you have, you have the sail barge and the flag. How big is the sail barge in comparison to the flag? Is it like half uh, the size or? I, it is about, I want to say two thirds the size. Okay. Yeah, it's it's big. It's yeah. um, but that's that's lengthwise. Yeah, it's yeah. Far smaller width and height. Okay. Because the the flag is uh it's like seven foot or six I don't remember. It's like seven foot by three and a half feet tall by three feet wide. That yeah, thing yeah. Is massive. Oh yeah. And the the barge is not that long. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I I mean I had a flag as a kid, um and and I still have fond memories of of how massive that thing was, um yeah. and uh. So my thinking with it is, I agree. I think it would be like if you wanted to do it same scale, uh, which I think would be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they should downscale it. Um, I think you're right in saying it would probably be about 750 maybe a 1000 Um It would be definitely a way for them to try to do the tiers again with the, the crew. <laughs> you might get them again. Oh, um, <laughs> what for tiers with that? Yeah. I don't, there's a lot of different things you could oh probably God, do. The, yeah, like, I mean, clearly you would have to, Kill Hall would have to be part of one of those. Sure. He well, should just come with it. He should it. just he come shouldn't with be it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. And then you'd, you know, and then if you're going to do something that size, you might as well just throw in like five or six crew right off the bat. Agreed. Just to make them part of it. Yeah. You'd be done with that. The, the thing that I would say could, could make it successful, because I think it could be successful. Um, is number one, you cannot have any other Haslabs going on yes. for a little while, like before and after it. Um, so that would have to be your project for that year, which I don't know if Haslabs willing to commit to something like that. Um, and you need to, in, again, for people to be able to afford it, you need to market it, which is not something that they've done a very good job, in my opinion, when it comes to Haslab projects ahead of time. I mean, yeah. they do a good job of marketing it while it's going on. But I'm talking about like six months to a year ahead of time saying, here's the date we're going to launch. 
here's the price it's going to be. And here's brace what, yourself. Brace yourself. Here's what we're going to be making. And I think you could generate enough of a buzz and people can save up to then back it. And I think it could be successful if you did it that way. I don't know if HasLab is willing to do that because, again, I think it would have to be the only thing HasLab does that year um, to, to make sure you have enough support for it. And HasLab likes to do multiple things in the year. Um, or you do something, if you're going to do another HasLab project, you do something so very different that even though there would be some crossover, there wouldn't be much. So if you wanted to do another wrestling one, I know there's crossover with Joe and wrestling. I'm not blind to that, but it's at least different enough that you could possibly still do something like that. Um, so, but yeah, I think it could be successful. It definitely would get a lot of buzz, but I think you need to prepare everybody for it. So that's my thought with it. I think that's a great idea. I mean, part of the problem is they do not, I mean, they just kind of spring it on you. Yeah. And this time they sprung three of them at us at once. And if you pace it, you know, say even if they wanted to do one every six months, I say that's a better plan than just throwing all of them out, out there and seeing what sticks. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see, and we, we talked about this last night on the show. I, I think for the next Hasbro or for the next Star Wars one, they should do a, uh, a one to one scale Boba Fett jetpack. Oh yeah. I heard you guys talking about that. Yeah. I, I think that would be a good one, especially having just done the, the Ghostbusters one yeah. backpack. So I think that would work. Um, but I, w- I would not back a flag. I've got one. I don't need a new one. Sure. I'm I'm good. Yeah. And there's no way in hell I could get a second one in there. <laughs> I would be extremely tempted, and I would try to make it work because I had one as a kid. I don't have it anymore, and there's definitely a nostalgia factor in there for me. So, yeah. um, but I'm trying to th- trying to think, what would be the biggest Joe vehicle that you could do? And have it be accessible to maybe not most people, but a pretty decent amount of the collecting population. And the two that strike that jump out to me are, I mean, cause the whale's a pretty damn big thing to begin with. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and maybe a night raven. Yeah. Night raven would be good. Night raven would be incredible. An updated night raven. Stay away from the defiance. It's yeah. cool, but Defiance's it's, too big. it's yeah. like my it's least big. favorite toy from GI Joe. Um, but yeah, the, the, <laughs> Flat, or not the flag, the whale or night raven. I would love to see an upscale rattler, a brand new mold yeah. rattler. I would love to see it's a it's smaller space too. Yeah, Joe base. Well, yeah, Joe base would be amazing. Uh, I don't see them doing a terror drum again, even though that would be oh, pretty incredible. Too big, too big again. It's too big again. Um, one that's definitely smaller scale, but I would love to see an upgraded version of it. Would be the hydrofoil. Oh yeah. yeah, the moray. Yeah, the moray. Yeah. I always love that thing. So I love that toy. So yeah, I mean, to me, the the natural next one is the rattler to to the sky striker. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Because you want to, they're, they're going to want to do. Yeah, because they're going to want to do a cobra vehicle after doing a oh, Joe yeah. one. So it makes perfect sense. So cobra yeah. command wouldn't have it any other way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then give you like, with like Tiger Force stickers for it or something this time around. <laughs> God. <laughs> I would love to see, I'll tell you, I would love to see them do, um, could, instead of doing it as cardboard, could you imagine if they did the missile base, uh, Cobra base, but they, awesome. but they actually did it as like a plastic base. Um, and then you could have tears with the weather dominator and things like that. So. <laughs> oh, come on now. Come on now. 
would be really cool. Yeah. All right, so since we've been speaking about all these different properties, it seems like a natural transition to go into what's going on with IDW and comic books. <laughs> because they're basically losing all of these properties we've just been talking about. <laughs> um, so they, I think they're still retaining My Little Pony, aren't they? So that one's still out there that as a possibility that they are still keeping it. Um, so to, to put the news out there, for those that don't know uh, – IDW has lost the rights to the all ages Star Wars, uh, which, sorry, Scott, you were part of that. Oh, <laughs> probably my fault. I blame me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the all ages, all ages Marvel. Uh, so they already have lost those two licenses. Uh, we know that Star Wars is going to Dark Horse and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and then we, I don't know what's happening with any type of all ages Marvel. I assume maybe Marvel will just do it themselves or maybe dark horse will pick those up too. I don't know. Um, but then it came out that IDW it is, uh, the license is up for IDW when it comes to transformers and GI Joe and maybe some other properties. Um, so my little pony is still kind of ambiguous if it's lost by them or not. Um, I did hear, Again, just rumor-wise, that not only was it G.I. Joe and Transformers, but it was all the other types of things that were part of that, too, like ROM and oh, What are you going to do you get your gem comics, man? I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Those gem comics were actually really good, but uh, they were very well done. But uh, that's been gone for a while. But yeah, that's like, outrageous. I know. It's truly outrageous. True. Uh, <laughs> but they, uh, so yeah, visionaries, like all of that I heard is all part of the Transformers G.I. Joe that's being lost by IDW. Now, my guess is that My Little Pony might not leave IDW because the reason that the other ones are leaving is because Hasbro has not been happy with the output of Joe and Transformers and stuff like that. However, My Little Pony has had amazing output from IDW. So I don't know if it's a all pack, all or nothing type deal, or if they're able to like leave my little pony with IDW and then take these other ones away. I don't know. Um, and then the rumor mill was, and I don't know again, how much of it's rumor, how much it actually was happening, but that it could go back to image under the skybound brand. Uh, when it comes to G.I. Joe and Transformers, because Kirkman is a huge fan and that he supposedly is in, has been in negotiations with Hasbro to take those on as the property. Can't wait to see Snake Eyes dropping them F-bombs. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Joes. <laughs> um, so... So I, we're, we'll touch on each one of these things so this way we can actually like dissect them and, and get into them. So first off... Uh, I want to talk about IDW losing Star Wars, and we know that it's going to Dark Horse. Uh, and it's just, from everything I know, it's just the all-ages stuff. Well, I mean, that's all they had anyway, right? Right, yeah, that's all they had. Well, and there was there was people, of course, saying, well, if, if Dark Horse is getting Star Wars, will Marvel just give the main Star Wars to Dark Horse again? And I don't see that happening at all. Um, but... I wanted your guys' thoughts on, and we'll start with with you, Scott. When it comes to the Star Wars, you know, all ages, which has been called Adventures, which is why I right. titled this episode the way I did. Um, what are your thoughts about 
Dark Horse taking Star Wars back in that capacity? Uh, you know, Star Wars, I mean, Dark Horse had Star Wars for, what, 25 years, 20, 25 years, something 20 like that? 25, yeah. Yeah, and they produced some of the best Star Wars comics out there. I mean, yeah. Marvel, I, I want to say the, the current Marvel lineup, which has, you know, restarted a couple of times since they took over, um, there, I can count on one hand the moments in those comics that really stood out. Sure. Whereas the Dark Horse comics, I mean, Tales of the Jedi, I, I go on and on about how much I love Tales of the Jedi. Yep. And the Star Wars series that they were working on just before Marvel took the license back was incredible. Um, if they can muster the kind of talent that they had working on those comics and come up with something all ages that really fits the um, that, that really has some substance to it. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. I think it's a great idea because I'm sorry, but Star Wars Adventures, especially, I mean, I did the cover for one of those comics and I could only stand reading half of that comic. It, it was the rest of it was just a throwaway. Well, and to, and to refer to that particular issue, I and to what you were saying about having certain moments that stuck stick in your head when it comes to Marvel or anyone doing this, the current day Star Wars stuff. The second story in that issue that you did the cover for is one of those moments for me because, and it's one of those stories because seeing the whole Hoth invasion from a different perspective, a different point of view, if you, if you will, um, was amazing. I thought it was extremely well done. And that was the type of story that I would love to see in, in an all ages Star Wars comic. Absolutely. And you, you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, it's, it's the battle of Hoth from Darth Vader's perspective right. and it's, it's, fantastic but for every one of those you've got 10 issues of the high republic which is almost unreadable yeah and which is unfortunate because the high republic knowing now kind of where it's headed i can't wait to see where it goes but the comics man they were just not good <laughs> well the thing with high republic and, and i have admitted this many times on the show is i i have all of them <laughs> but i read the first issue of the Marvel High Republic, and I have the adventures also and everything else, but I've only read the first issue of Marvel's High Republic, and it just really left me flat. Yeah. And I was like, and they built it up, and they built it up. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be like Tales of the Jedi, like you were just mentioning. Like, that's one of my favorite series also of all time when it comes mm -hmm. to Star Wars. And I was thinking, this is going to be like that. This is going to be introducing me to new characters, new stuff, a new direction that I've been dying to have ever since... Marvel ever since, you know, Star Wars went back to Marvel and I read the first issue and I have said this many times on the show. If I read an issue that leaves me flat or of a series or I didn't really care for it, it's really hard for me to pick up the next issue. I'd rather go read something yeah. else. So I have yeah. not gone back to read any more of the issues because that first issue just kind of was like, a wah, wah, you know, I've, I've got a rule three issue. I've got a three issue rule. I will give every comic series that I want to give a legitimate shot to. I'll give it three tries to really capture my interest. Yeah. I gave this one six issues because we interviewed the author and I, I just, even after that, man, it just, it didn't go anywhere. It yeah. just didn't work. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. So, uh, Greb, what do you think as far as like it going to, to Dark Horse? What would you like to see? What do you, you know, what are your expectations or? 
I don't really have any expectations because I don't think I have read any Star Wars comics uh, since at least before it went from Dark Horse to, you know, when Dark Horse lost it all, however many years ago it was at this point. Um, I think the problem is, is for me specifically is, you know, same thing is like, I have such fond memories of stuff like Tales of the Jedi and the Rogue Squadron series. Ah, great. Um, Yeah. That it's just, and especially now that I'm really just a trades guy, Mm -hmm. um, I'm just, I'm not interested in another telling of, of, I, I don't know. I don't know what they can do at this point to get me back into the comics as much as a Star Wars fan I am. Cause I just, you know, when all those old series were coming out, it was all new stuff. Yeah. In a time when we were starved for anything Star Wars, you know, ever since Edward the Empire came out, you know, almost 30 years ago, we've, we've not had a drought. Yeah. We've always mm-hmm. had something to read. And I don't know if there's anything else. I mean, if they did another Rogue Squadron series, yeah, I'd probably read that because that's, you know, that's where you're interested. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like ever, I just, I find in general the Jedi of the prequel era to be boring as hell. Uh-huh. I'm not interested in any of that. So all the stuff with, <clears throat> um, the High Republic, I, I don't, you know, it, okay. But I'm just not interested in the Jedi. And yeah. everything they keep putting out is Jedi, Jedi, Jedi. And I'm like, I don't care. Um, I, if Dark Horse can do new stuff with it, great. More power to, to you guys that want new stuff that you're going to read. But I'm just not likely going to read any of it. Um, I just, it's not what, you know, I, it's not where my life is right now. Yeah. Well, and, and Scott, I know you guys have mentioned it on Starlight Digest before, like how you guys, I, I know at least a few times you guys have mentioned it, like if you take out the Jedi, it, it not sure if it really is Star Wars, um, yeah. because it, it could look like, you know, Dune or Battlestar Galactic or something like that. I'm telling you right now, I don't subscribe to that because I know Eric. And Eric will definitely tell you that he could do without any Jedi and still it could be very much Star Wars because it has the other elements that he wants for it. So it's more so just the Jedi as they were portrayed in the prequels. Sure. Because they're boring as hell. Let's mm-hmm. be realistic. You know, they're basically space monks and celibate space monks and they all <laughs> basically dress the same, you know, and it's just kind of like, eh. Well, and I think that's what Clone Wars did was actually breathed some life into them because I agree with you on the movie side of it. They, they just were kind of there, but, um, for the most part, but when you watch clone wars, the animated series is just like, okay, now these characters have some depth to them. Now I'm actually feeling these characters and everything. At least for me, that was the case. I think like that was the book, uh, twilight squad, twilight company. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I think the last book I read. And I really, because I was like, wow, (laughs) this is something different. From just a standard trooper's point of view, yeah, you know, on Hoth and this and that, and I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting to see it from a different point of view here. Yeah, you know, no puns intended or right, right, you know, any of that fun stuff. But um, <laughs> so you know, I, I, that's that's more what I'm interested in. Is I'm more interested in the average soldier. You know, that's why I like Rogue One so much because it was really about the average trooper and the average soldier. It wasn't, yeah. you know. Yeah, but they can't do it. They can't make a Star Wars movie and not throw a lightsaber in. I mean, oh, no, no, or at least yeah, the Force that, or something. That, that's a different. Yeah. I get that. That's a different argument when you want to get to the movies. I understand. Yeah, um, 
it's just when you're gonna when you're doing books and comics and cartoons, there's a lot of other things that you can do. I mean, you, you can, can still have a Jedi or a Force user, or, yeah, because the Jedi are just one religion of mm-hmm. Force users. They're not all Force users, so there's a lot they could do. But I just, you know, I, it's not my interest level. It's never. I've always been interested in just like the rank and file troopers and the pilots and things like that more so than I ever have been. You know, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and Vader and these guys are great. They're cool characters for the most part. Yeah. But that's never been what I've been most interested in. So unless they unless they start doing something like that, like then maybe you'll get me. But yeah. you know, like I, I've heard good things for the most part about the the Marvel stuff. I mean, for the most part, it seems like they're decent. You know, maybe they're not blowing you away, but they seem to be decent comics. The main yeah. title, the main title's pretty good. At the beginning, whenever they took over, it was the whole uh, Darth Vader attempting to find out who it was that destroyed the Death Star, and yeah. the ultimate revelation to him as to who it was, and the reactions. And I- I've never read a comic, Dark Horse or Marvel, in the Star Wars universe that quite hit like that did. The realization that Padme had lied to him, and that he had kid, he had a son, and Man, it was unreal. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think the main I think main Star Wars is, is good. It's a good solid read. You do have some good highlights in there. I think the Vader series have been phenomenal. I have yet to read a bad Vader issue. Um and I have Dr. really like I, I like Doctor Afra, but that one's hit or miss for me because there's been yeah. some issues where I'm like, Ugh, and other ones where I'm like yeah, but when the Doctor Alpha was in the Vader series, yeah, it was phenomenal. That was an yeah. amazing character. Um, the Bounty Hunters series that's out there now, I have enjoyed every issue of that, and that one doesn't play into the Jedi or anything like that. You're literally dealing with Bounty Hunter characters, so um, I've really enjoyed that title. Um, my my input as far as what I think Dark Horse could do, or maybe what I think they should do especially if you're doing all ages um, and what I'd like to see. And especially I'm taking into account the fact that Hasbro was saying that they weren't putting out enough content when it came to, even when it came to star Wars, that it wasn't doing enough. Um, I would bring back star Wars tales. I'd bring that as a quarterly title. And I loved star Wars tales. I think you could easily do that as a all ages comic that comes out once a quarter, multiple pages, multiple stories, they need to not continue. Uh, I know Star Wars Tales did a little bit of conti- continuation type stories. I think it, it's best if it's just, hey, you could pick One up any- Yeah, if you could just pick up this issue, you don't have to worry about the issues before and the issues after. That's great. You're going to get more readers that way, in my opinion. Um, I, I would love to see something that's geared towards an even younger demographic for all ages. Uh, so, like, there was um, some artwork, and I can't remember who the artist is, but he did, like, these... Uh, Jawa covers and stuff like that. They were very cartoony. They were almost like Scotty Young style uh, covers. I would love to see full adventures of the Jawas that's geared towards an even younger yeah. audience and just that type of art style and everything else. Hell, I will write them. I will happily write them. I've got plenty of Jawa stories. I'm happy to do it. Uh, <laughs> if well, you're we, need a, we need a comic, a story that's dealing with the PTSD of the Jawas that went up against the Mandalorian. <laughs> We can do that. We can do that. Um, and then, and then I think you need some titles out there that are going to, uh, do one of two things. Either a 
uh, or you could do have two titles that are doing each thing. One is telling stories of the side characters, much like a certain point of view did in the books. I think you could do that in the comics where you're, you're telling tales of these characters that are in these movies we've already known, but these are the side characters that no one delved into and tell some stories with them because then you're still dealing with those time periods that everyone's familiar with. But that again, and the, the Vader one was the one that in the issue one of adventures is the one that gave me that idea was it was a similar tale, but from a different point of view. And that's the other thing that I would do is I would do tales of characters that we don't really have never really explored on the side uh, and I don't care how minor they appeared, you can get, if you get a good writer, they, they can totally like flesh out those characters and then tell other stories, which is stuff we've already seen, but it's from a different character's point of view. I think Holy if he's crap, we could finally get the continuing adventures of Walden Kitster. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my god, somebody misses Dora Park, No, I don't actually. Kitster thing is like, they're constantly. Where's Kitster? Where's Kitster? Oh Jesus! No, I, I don't listen to them. Actually, I can't. I can't listen to other Star Wars podcasts. Yeah, fair enough. I think I can understand that. <laughs> other than this one, but we're not sold Star the Wars. One, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, those like those are the directions I would go if I was Dark Horse. And I think based on Dark Horse's past history, I think they could do those things really well. So, um, so you'd end up having like. You know, four titles out there every quarter. You'd have at least four titles, and normally would have three titles out there um, on any given month. So I don't know, but I am excited to see Dark Horse taking it back over and seeing what they could do with adventures uh, or an adventure style type thing. I'm sure they won't call it the same thing, but um, in fact, they probably are best to get away from that being the title. Um, I think a lot of people are under the they're under the impression impression that yeah, i can't speak today and that's not a good thing for an audio podcast <laughs> i think a lot of people are under the impression that they're going to pick up with their old legend stories and that's not what this is so yeah yeah, yeah we need the new stories man but yeah. you know if they want to reprint tales of the jedi go for it i'll buy it again oh yeah <laughs> put in a nice hardcover slipcase i'll totally buy that oh um, hell yeah <laughs> um so now getting into the gi joe and transformers um I, I kind of want to hear from you guys, like, what do you think about the idea of Kirkman taking it over or tied, tied into that? What would you want to see happen? Um, it, it, is that what you'd want to see happen or is there something else you'd like to see happen when it comes to those properties? I'm going to get stoned if I say what I want to say. So. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I'm, I think it's time for Larry Hammond to pass on the pen. I agree. Dude, Somebody else. A thousand percent. I basically percent. said the other, the same thing in a group chat the other day about tell Larry he's got to end it and let yeah. him end it. Yeah. And then retire, you know, retire that. Yeah. But, you know, I was a huge fan of the Devil's Due stuff, especially whenever yeah. they went to World War Three, And the World War Three storyline was such an in-depth story that actually brought an end. I mean, it was Cobra at their most evil it was them taking over the united states and uh, gi joe fighting to take it back and it just worked it was just so good and the epic end to it and you you knew that it was coming down to hawk versus cobra commander 
one or both of them were going to die, and then they wimped out at the last second, and they just locked Cobra Commander up in a jail cell to fight another day. Um, I, I really feel like that should have been the end of a real American hero, but then, you know, yeah. IDW started it over with, at first, it was great. But... It was. When it started off, it was great. In fact, I think the yeah. dream that was in 155 and a half, I wish that would have been what it actually was as far as Cobra actually took over everything. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, I don't know, man. I can only deal with so many Blue Ninja stories. I and agree. Revenge, or whatever the name of that company is. And yeah. I don't even, I stopped collecting. My comic book store out here, they canceled all their pull lists. So I no longer get comics and I, they, they don't open to the public because of COVID. They canceled all their pull lists and they're just doing a, you know, you got to go on their website once a week and hunt down the comics out of the hundreds that are released and, and pick your comics and purchase them on a weekly basis or you don't get them. Yeah. So I haven't read a comic in a long time, but the last ones I did read were they were Larry Hammond's GI Joe. And I'm like, Oh God, can we just stop? I'm buying it out of habit now. It's no longer enjoyable. Yeah. I When they started doing the special missions and, like, the one-offs on the characters, those were actually really well done. Yes, and, they were. And I wish they would have just stuck with doing those because I would just kept reading those forever. But yeah, going back. The one that took place in, like, the Antarctic or something yes. like that, you had the Snow Joes, essentially. Yeah. That was the very last comic book I bought thanks to my comic shop. And yeah. um, it was great. But, yeah, the rest yeah. of G.I. Joe, no. Yeah, and, like, I remember Robert telling me that him and Mike Costa had talked about doing, like, a 12-issue series where it would have been, like, special missions where each issue, it was a different team of Joes getting together. You had, a you know, Duke and maybe one other person, like, putting a team together, and but then there was, like, something that was an overarching thing. Could you imagine if you announced Mike Costa and Robert Atkins were going to do a 12-issue Joe series? Like, you'd have Joe fans lining up. So that'd be great. Yeah. Um, especially if they had a plan in place for what they wanted to do for those 12 issues, which it sounded like they did. So, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you make it sound like the what if story that was on net or uh, Disney plus where it was like, it looked like a bunch of random stories, but by the end it all tied together and made, yeah. it, made a cohesive story. I yeah. Think that'd be amazing. I agree. Um, yeah, it's, it, I haven't made it, secret on this show like that as much as i love larry hama and i love what he's done for joe like he I, he will always be an idol for me to look up to when it comes yeah. to what he created um but i do get tired of what i'm reading right now and i think he i, I and i've had people that tell me they're close to larry and they tell me this is not the case but i'm sorry i read it in his writing <laughs> he he is tired of doing it too yeah, he is thrilled to be part of GI Joe. I a hundred percent believe that. I think he loves the fans. I think he loves that the fans are excited about what he created. I think he loves to be part of the whole GI Joe stuff. I just don't think he wants to write it anymore. It got it went from being you couldn't tell that he didn't have a plan from page one to page twenty four. Yeah. It went from being that you couldn't tell, that it just flowed, right. to being like, it is very obvious that there is no plan here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and like I said, he, he's written other stuff and everything else, like other, you know, for Marvel and everything else. And I'm like, I can tell by reading those things that he doesn't want to write this anymore. I can, yeah. And like I said, he can, he can tell, he could look me in the eye all day long himself and tell me, 
that he is happy to write G.I. Joe and he enjoys it every minute, I'm sorry it doesn't come across in the writing. It just doesn't. So I think the thing that finally drove it, I mean, really drove it home. I was tired of it and I was I was just buying it out of habit. But it was the whole Death of Snake Eyes saga. Yes. And it all culminated in the actual death of Snake Eyes. And I'm sitting there going, oh, man, he actually did it. And then, uh, you know, Sean Collins reaches up and grabs the mask. You know, Sean Collins, who just lost his vocal cords and got his face burnt and put the yeah. mask on. I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this I, I know this is your muse, but man, come on. So where would you guys like to see these properties go and... Is there anything you would like, anything you would like outside of Hama maybe not writing it anymore? Is there, is there something you would like to see somebody else do with the properties? Uh, for me, that that's a tough pull because we've had other things. We've had different takes on G.I. Joe and none of it quite felt right. And I yeah. don't know why it is that it doesn't feel right. Um, you know, I watch TV shows like SEAL Team, and it almost feels like G.I. Joe at, at times. And I've watched, there's a show called Strike Back that was on Cinemax for a long time, and that, that felt like I was watching like an R-rated G.I. Joe action adventure series. Mm-hmm. And um, I could I could see them going in a, in a, I mean, if it, especially if it goes to Skybound, if it goes to Kirkman's company, where they could really cater to those of us who are in our 40s now who grew up with the and make it more realistic and in your face and deal with the i mean i kind of read comics to get away from the reality of the world but at the same time you know gi joe it's action adventure military guys going up against terrorist bad guys and i mean if you give it a little more of a reality uh, a spin on reality Mm -hmm. maybe it will work you got to get the right team on it. You got to get the right artist. You got to get the right author. It just yeah. otherwise, man, it, it just won't. It'll fall flat like some of those other comics did. I agree. Grub, how about for you? Like, what would you like to see happen? Uh, I think <clears throat> it's run its course with IDW. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've. I feel like they've been flailing, at least with their continuity, for a number of years, and yeah. they don't seem to have an idea of what they want to do and, you know, any kind of overall feel. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know if you necessarily need, like, a quote-unquote showrunner, mm-hmm. um, but if it, whoever it goes to, if it's Kirkman's company, if it's somebody else, I feel like they need to put somebody in charge of the property um, at that company in order to keep things on the same page, you know, so that way you don't have, okay, well, this guy's going to go and write for 10 issues and this guy's going to write for five, you know, maybe with, maybe we're all a little too spoiled with uh, Kevin Feige and how, what he's done with Marvel, the Marvel cinematic universe and how he's been able to, you know, keep, Okay, yeah, every little movie or every little series is a little different, and but they all tie into the same world. Yeah, and I feel like you could easily run three or four Joe um, comics at a time as long as you have somebody in charge who can keep—I don't want to say tabs, but can keep keep everybody on track. Yeah. 
Well, they proved that they proved that they could do that. That that can be done when IDW first launched. Yeah, the Joe they had stuff. The Cobra series. They had the Cobra everything. series. They had the Joe series, and they had the or- and they had the Origins series going on. And yeah. all of those were amazing titles. So yeah, part of the problem. Them. Part of the problem too is that they're they're all uh, they're held to account by Hasbro. Yeah, Hasbro still has the final say on what happens. You know. Yeah. So no matter what we get, it's still going to have those shackles. The 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 reason I would be excited about Kirkman doing it is because Kirkman's a big enough name that I think that can counter Hasbro. Oh. I, I I think Kirkman can go that go to Hasbro and say, here's what we're gonna do, and it's gonna bring a lot of attention to the brand for you, and uh, this is what people want. And and Hasbro because of his success with so many things, not just The Walking Dead, but you know Invincible. Outcast, like he's he's got a laundry list of things that he's been extremely successful with. Um, they'll listen to that, or they should listen to it. Um, there's no guarantee they will, but yeah. <laughs> but could they, you see it though if he was actually if he brought it to say AMC or something like oh, that? Yeah. And we all of a sudden had a GI Joe, like a realistic GI Joe on Series. TV. Yeah. Oh my god, it'd man. be amazing. Yeah. Um, and. So two things. One is I wanted to mention briefly something that I am very, ex- I'm actually very excited when it comes to Joe, just because I think they're doing at least this one thing that IDW is doing. I think is doing they're doing it the right way, and they're just doing it for fun for the fans. Is I don't know if you guys have seen the the GI Joe Saturday Morning Adventures miniseries that they're going to do. It, no. Talk about terrible timing on that one. I know, but it's a it's a four. I want to say a four issue miniseries. It is taking place in the cartoon world. Um, and I think it's cool. I think it's it looks cool really thing. cool. It look the artwork looks just like this the cartoon. Um, the story premise, from what I heard, it's called the Aladdin weapon that Cobra Commander gets, and it seems like they're playing off of that he might actually have Aladdin's lamp. That he's, oh my god, that's cool. <laughs> which would work so well for the cartoon, right? Like that it was a so perfect, dumb. I love it. Right, it's perfect <laughs> for the cartoon world, and yeah. they're having Eric Burnham writing it, who is amazing. And they're having Dan Scherning drawing it, who did Ghostbusters, the IDW Ghostbusters. And he, I've seen the artwork. The artwork looks like the cartoon. So, and I'm like, okay, you have the right writer, the right artist, and you're doing it as a four-issue miniseries, which is perfect, because you don't want to turn that into an ongoing. I I would be fine if they did multiple miniseries like that, um, where you just have one story that's going to be three or four issues, and then you do it, and then maybe a few months later you do another one because someone else, you know, has a really good idea for another ridiculous thing. Because as much as Scott, I agree with you, th- if it goes to like Kirkman or somebody like that, they need to do a very realistic military style, but still be Joe. Yeah, you can still do little side things like this, where it's completely off the wall and ridiculous, and it's tied to the cartoon. Like you Absolutely. can, you can do both. Um. So I love the fact that IDW is doing that. Like you said, a little too late, maybe, <laughs> like you were saying, Eric. But um, I am very, very excited about that, and I have not really been that excited about Joe for a while. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But I agree with everything you guys were saying. Like I would like, I would like to see, I would like to see Kirkman get it because I think, again, I think he can be a voice against Hasbro where maybe they'll trust because of his success what could be done with it. Um, I think Kirkman would get the right people on it. He's he's 
already said that he would not be the one writing any of them, which I think is a little false. I think he might write like the launch of title that spins out of everything. Um, but, uh, I think he can find the right people to work on the project. So, so we'll see, but you know, if, if it breathes new life into the, into the property, that's all that I could ask for, you know, something, something new, something that breathes life into it, brings it back to where it belongs either on, on TV and a cartoon, maybe, yeah. Or to the toy aisle, you know, I, I'm, I'm and, ready. And when it comes to the other properties, I know you guys are probably as familiar when it comes to the comics with them, but like Transformers, like oh, yeah. the the initial IDW run that went for quite a while was amazing. And it the really new, was. And the yeah, new, I, I agree. The new All series that was one of the best. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the current. Oh, what was the, the dark uh, shit? What was it called? Um. Dark Cybertron? Is it Dark Cybertron? Yeah, uh, yeah, they did something like that. Yeah, yeah. That was insane. That was yes. so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the current stuff that they're doing is not really that good. Now, I will say, and I'm not just saying this because I had her on the show, uh, but I, uh, the Shattered Glass miniseries is, is actually really good. I'm really enjoying that. I can't wait to have Danny back on the show so that we can talk about it. Um, but... Everything else has been very ho hum. It's been been very poor, which is I yeah. think why Hasbro's been upset with it. Um, but I would love to see two or three Joe titles. I'd love to see uh one to two Transformers titles. And then I would love to see if if all these other properties are going with it, I'd love to see like hell, call it Saturday morning cartoons. I don't care what the hell you call it. But <laughs> but do something with Mask and do something with uh ROM and stuff like that you could put that in one title. Cause I don't think any of those other ones are strong enough to carry a title by themselves. But if you put them together, like where you have two stories in one issue and an ongoing series, I think that could be a title that people would pick up. You're so. onto something there, man. I mean, that's what they did with showcase back in the sixties. Yeah. DC. You know, that's how they introduced Barry Allen and Hal Jordan right. and all those characters that really mean something to the world. Now you could have, instead of showcase Saturday morning cartoons, Starring a mini series of Mask or the Visionaries right. and get that back into the uh, American zeitgeist, you know, and have people realize that these properties still exist and just see where it goes from there. Well, and to give you a, a more modern take on that is look at what X-Men Legends is doing right now. Uh, X-Men Legends is taking the 90s X-Men and they're putting creative teams to tell certain story arcs and you can pick up just that story arc and it takes place during the time of the 90s X-Men titles. That's cool. It's phenomenal. And yeah, if you like Walt, Walt Simonson and Louise Simonson working on a title, okay, these three issues are going to be them. And it's going to take place with, with these characters that they helped create and everything else or, or, you know, told stories with and everything. And then the next one might be Fabian Nicieza doing a Deadpool thing. Like they're doing these nineties. Things and it and like I said, it's called X Men Legends. It's from every I've read it. I love it. From everyone I know that's picked it up, they love it. And it is just these little arcs, so you don't have to commit to an ongoing series. A lot of us do, but <laughs> you don't have to commit to it. But to your point, Scott, if it was like okay for these next three issues, it's going to be a mask story. The next one's next three is going to be a visionary story. And so, like I think you could keep it up to date. You can keep people in, involved. And like I said, if you called it something like Saturday morning cartoons or whatever, something that brings back that nostalgia, of why you want to pick this title up. So, 
What a great idea. Ryan, you should just write it, man. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm not doing anything else. Just Yeah, no. no you got to kind of free time. <laughs> right. Full-time job, wife, write my own comic and a podcast. Yeah, got plenty of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who needs sleep? Uh, right. All right, so uh, I did briefly mention uh, the artist, uh, Dan Scherning, did Ghostbusters, so that's a good way for me to segue right into Ghostbusters Afterlife, right? Wow. <laughs> Master of the segue. Um, so we all saw it. Um, and, uh, Scott, I know you said you saw it twice. Uh, and, uh, I mentioned this on the, uh, podcast. I am being on the Patreon one that I am being, uh, still extra careful, uh, just because of medical issues in my household. And, uh, I was really bummed out thinking I wasn't able to see this. And then someone that I work with brought up the brilliant idea that there is still a drive-in near us. And that I could go see it that way. And I was like, oh my God, you are brilliant. I love you. Nice. Um, yeah. I, and it's a, it was 11 bucks to go see Ghostbusters Afterlife. And afterwards I saw Venom Let There Be Carnage. So okay. two movies for $11. And I got to sit in my car with my s- sound system in my car, which is really good. And got to watch both those movies. So I was very happy about that. Unfortunately, they are now closed for the season. So I will not be able to see Spider-Man that way. Uh, so I am going to have to wait till it comes out digitally and I will do my best to avoid spoilers, but I know that's not going to happen. That's okay. Uh, good luck, buddy. Yeah, it ain't, ain't going to happen. That's okay. I don't mind if I, I, I don't mind being spoiled if I'm, if it happens. I do mind being spoiled if someone purposely spoils it for me. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, I did look them up and I was like, oh damn, they're closed now for the season. But, um, so that's how I saw it. Uh, I'm curious what you guys thought of the movie. So, uh, Grub, why don't we start with you? What were, what were your thoughts in regard? Um, well, it was me, the wife, and, and the little man, uh, because of the three, I'm probably the small, the least of the Ghostbuster fans. <laughs> I mean, I love the original Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2, let's be honest, has its moments, but really anything. Yeah. Um, but, so, little man was super, super duper excited to see it, um, and, I had no idea what to really expect in it other than, okay, I'm pretty certain that the, the OG Ghostbusters would come back at some point. And that was about it. And to be honest, man, I, I thought it was a phenomenal fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am going to openly admit, man, I had tears running down my eyes. At the <laughs> uh, but yeah, that final just, scene, man, yeah. it was just a tremendously good movie. Oh, and I should, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I should say from this point on, if you have not seen mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Afterlife and you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen to any more of the episode, um, because we will spoil it. I, I want you guys to have free reign to talk about anything that happened in the movie. So, um, okay. so yeah, from this point on, if you've not seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen, come back later and listen to the rest of the episode after you've seen it. So, uh, I mean, Paul Rudd was fucking awesome in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. that character he played was, was so cool. I, I don't know. There was something I really liked about him. I, I just, I don't think there was really anything about the movie that I could say negatively about. Yeah. Um, I just, it was so much fun and it was so good. And, you know, it was one of those things where I think I've seen, I've seen two movies in the theater in the last like two years, that and Dune. And 
I don't, it was, oh God, it was good. Yeah, I just, I can't say, that's about all I can say. Just, <laughs> I, I loved it. I haven't seen, I've only seen it the one time. I haven't seen it since. And I, I do think, do they even reference anything from the second Ghostbusters? There was they, a toaster. <laughs> there was a toaster. Also, Raise a Cult Shop is from the second yeah. Ghostbusters. Okay, um, but otherwise they acted, but basically they acted like the second movie never happened. Yeah, I mean, there's some references, and I heard the possibility of them doing another movie where Vigo plays a role. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that was that's what I heard. Also, is that there um, there's a plan? If this one did well, there's a plan, and yeah. that plan will reference Ghostbusters too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I just I can't say anything but positive stuff about it. I could I could rave for a while, but that's really I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. All right, Scott, what did you think overall? Yeah, it was my uh, my wife, my father-in-law, and the Sarlacc Digest guys. We all went and saw it. We're doing the same thing on Saturday with Spider-Man. But uh, we all went and saw it, and we were just floored. Tears were shed. Um, that final – number one, to start off the movie, and we are spoiler here, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, go okay. for it. Um, to kill off Egon in the first – Three minutes of the movie. I'm like, yeah. oh, he was my favorite Ghostbuster. I know they had to do it because of, you know, life. <laughs> but um, bringing him back in that final scene where it was he was holding on to uh, the girl's wand and helping her helping her focus and, and fight. I was just oh, my God, it was yeah. just phenomenal. Tears were shed, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad I loved how they did the his death without obviously being able to show him. Um, I thought that was superbly done. And I, um, I was so glad that during, cause obviously during the movie, he's helping them all along. Um, I'm so glad that that, that they didn't do what I was afraid they were going to possibly do, which was turn that into that. It wasn't actually Egon, that it was actually this malevolent ghost, tricking them the whole time into uh. thinking it was Egon. And I was like, I hope that's not what they do because I really want this to be Egon. And then I was so happy when it was Egon. At the end. Yeah, that was so great. Oh my God. And the one liner dad jokes. Yes. Come on with those. That was amazing. But the way, the way they took the story and they, they took Ghostbusters from 84 and they, they brought back, uh, the, the whole Evo Shandor and how the, the, building was built with selenium girders and yes. they tied it all back into this little town in Oklahoma with the selenium mine. And Evo Shandor was there. Yes. It was JK Simmons. I mean, yes. come on, man. <laughs> and I expected that to be a bigger thing. And then when they, when it wasn't, I was like, okay, that's actually pretty clever. Cause I was expecting something bigger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it just, yeah, it was so cleverly written and so wonderfully done that, um, I've only heard one person complain about it, and it was somebody that's a friend of mine who is just uber nitpicky about life. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, you have those, I mean, yeah. How can how can you hate this movie? I mean, come on. Yeah. So uh, so I mentioned I went and saw it the drive-in. I um, uh, <laughs> I think again I think I've mentioned this many times on the show. I am a huge Ghostbusters fan. Uh, it is. It is Star Wars, then Indiana Jones, then Ghostbusters for me. So I'm a big Ghostbusters fan. I have a whole yeah. shelf behind me of Ghostbusters stuff right now. Uh, 
including the Lego Firehouse, which is an incredible build. Um, so, <laughs> and I've got the uh, rooftop scene that where you had to get all the diamond select figures to build the rooftop scene. Yeah, Marco I, has that thing. It's insane. Oh, it's so good. It is so yeah. good. Um, so yeah, so I'm huge, huge Ghostbusters. I've been getting the IDW comics, which I love. I think they've been doing an amazing job with Ghostbusters. Um, I'm hoping they bring that back at some point. Um, or maybe well, that's they're one lo- property they haven't lost yet. Well, I was say maybe they lost that one too. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, which that again missed opportunity right there. IDW, if you had the property, this movie came out. Why did you not have a Ghostbusters comic on the shelf? <laughs> um, so, anyways, but I digress. Uh, I loved this movie, like absolutely. Loved- now, I Ghostbusters, the first Ghostbusters movie, is my favorite comedy of all time. Um, I do love the second Ghostbusters. I will admit it's not as good as the first one, but, uh, there's only moments in the second one that I was like, eh, everything else in the second one, I really love. Like probably the biggest thing that I don't like in the second one is the Lewis Tully Janine relationship. I think that was Mm. dumb. I don't think that should have been done, but so much in the second movie, I really do love. Like, I love the fact that there's absolutely no explanation as to why Lewis is now their attorney but but he's going or, to be. Or why Jane has gone from a world class musician to a world class art. Restorer. Yep. Yep. Don't don't even care about that. That stuff just cracks me up that it even happens because I'm like in a Ghostbusters world that makes sense. Um. So, uh, I. But yeah, I absolutely loved this movie. Like I had heard from Scott Romansky, who got to see it uh, at I think it was at New York Comic Con, wasn't it? Yeah. That oh, he, wow. he was in the crowd for the. Yeah, the surprise screening of it. They were supposed to just be showing like uh, a clip of it, and then here they just showed the whole movie to them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, he knew what a big fan I was, and he was like, "You're not going to be disappointed." And coming from him, I was like, I trusted him, so I was like, I was like, okay, I'm even more excited now. So my expectations were extremely high. And they not only met my expectations, they surpassed them. I think the only thing you could have done, and I mentioned this in past episodes when this movie was first announced, the only thing they could have done was an end credit scene of Lewis Tully popping his head in to the mom and going, so who does your taxes? Because I wanted Lewis Tully to make an appearance, um, and he's back to doing some a little bit of acting now. So, um, and I, and I applaud him for why he left acting. I mean, it's a absolutely, but but he is back to doing a little bit of acting. So I just wanted that moment to happen. So if they can maybe get him for the next one, I would be so happy. Um, that's the only thing I felt could have been missing, and that was more of what I wished it had versus what anything bad that they could that they actually did. Um, the end credit scenes that they actually had were awesome. Um, and, uh, <laughs> cause I was like, where's Sigourney Weaver? We didn't get her yet. And <laughs> I know she was supposed to be in this. And then they show the, the shocking, um, of Venkman by her. So great. That was, and it's, uh, it was great the way they did it in the, because I didn't know that Sigourney Weaver was in it. And then gotcha. whenever I was watching, cause you don't, we've all been trained by Marvel. Don't leave. When right. The movie's credits are rolling. Right. And, you know, the credits are rolling and it says Sigourney Weaver. And my wife and I looked at each other. Where the hell was Sigourney Weaver? I don't know. I, and bam, 
I had the exact same thing. I'm like, wait a minute, where the hell is she? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the the end end credit scene, uh, yeah. much like seeing Egon and everything, definitely got me choked up and everything. Seeing the end end scene, which I think that has to have been a, a clip that was edited out of the original movie, uh, where she's where Janine's giving Egon the like the good luck talisman or whatever it was. Um, and then that turns into Winston, who, which I love the fact that Winston is now the wealthy, successful one out of all of them. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. And he's the one financing all of them. And some of them don't even realize he's the one financing them. But then yeah. to have him go to the, to the firehouse and which was said earlier to have been turned into a Starbucks. And now we find out it wasn't, uh, it's still the firehouse and there's the containment unit still there and we see it shaking a bit. And I'm like, Oh damn, I need a sequel now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I loved every minute of this movie. And I love the fact that it was its own thing. Like, yes, there were callbacks. Yes, there were all those, you know, fan things. But I heard someone talk about, and I've seen it in a lot of other reviews where it was like fan service, uh, a lot in the movie. And I'm like, what did you want to have happen? Yeah. In a Ghostbusters movie, did you want her to open up the floor and there was a DeLorean there? Like, I don't know what you wanted. She was, of course, she was going to find a ghost trap there. Like, there's going to be Ghostbusters things in this movie. I don't think any of those things that were in the movie took away from the story of the movie. I feel like this was still its own story. We deal with that in in Star Wars all the time where people are like, the Mandalorian is nothing but fan service. It's all a bunch of fan service. I'm sorry, but if that's what fan service is, you know, giving the fans something they actually want to see on right. screen, fan service away, man. Right. I, I'm, I'm willing. As long as it's not being done in lieu of a of a good story. Right. And to your point, Mandalorian's a great story. Yes, it has fan service in it, but it's fan service that works for telling the story. And that's what this Ghostbusters movie was for me. Yes, there was a lot of fan service in it, but all of it worked towards telling this story that, in my opinion, was uniquely its own. It plays into what came before, but it also told its own story in its own way. Because, let's face it, it didn't have the the humor that you saw in the first Ghostbusters movie, but it had its own style of humor. Um, so I, I loved it. I loved podcast. I mean, the fact of being a podcaster probably played into that, but I love the fact, I love that character. He was probably my favorite of the new characters. Paul Rudd, like you mentioned, Eric loved him. You, I think you cannot not like Paul Rudd. Like you, (laughs) he's just a likable guy. Um, the strut that he did in Walmart had everybody in that theater (laughs) laughing their butts off. Talk about, talk about the most well-stocked, (laughs) well and i wanted to i wanted everything was neat on the shelves yes i wanted to see even more of the like the marshmallow guys and everything else and um i i almost wish that after everything was like wrecked that somebody there was like just turned and went yeah this is more like walmart (laughs) (laughs) i loved whenever he's running from the uh, terror dog that he jumps through his windshield because his windshield was shattered yes, earlier yes. on in the movie. <laughs> I laughed so hard on that. I shot a piece of popcorn out of my mouth. <laughs> like, it shot like four seats over. I couldn't, I mean, when he did that, that face first dive through the window, I was like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's fucking brilliant. And I don't care that the state puff mark, like I heard this statement too, like the state puff marshmallow men are just a playoff of the, the baby Yoda, quote unquote baby Yoda vibe that's out there and i'm like i don't care 
they were unique. They were still, in my opinion, uniquely their own, and it made sense for. Now, the only thing that I did hear someone say, and I totally agree with, they're like, "How did Stay Puff stay in business after it attacked New York City?" <laughs> no doubt. Well, you know, at the same time, people have forgotten that 1984 right. happened. So right. you know. Well, when you watch the original movies, they basically in the second movie act like the first one never happened. Like That's those true. guys never did anything good for anybody. So That's true. That's true. Yeah. And you could totally market that anyways. You have a, someone that's good in marketing for Stay Puff, they're totally going to spin that to their favor. So, yeah. Our marshmallows are so good, they try to destroy the city. Yeah, exactly. And nobody minded. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I, I thought it was great, though. I yeah. mean, if they can – well, I think at this point it's inevitable that they will continue. I just don't want them to drop the kids because the yes. kids brought something new to the table. Agreed. Uh, you know – I watched the uh, remake or the reboot with the the all female cast, and it was it was fun for what it was. Sure, and um, it's it's one I've I've seen it twice, I think, but it's not one I will ever reach for whenever I'm in the mood to watch right. Ghostbusters. Right, you know, it's not that movie. So but, I I have mentioned oh, I've this seen one that movie a hundred times now. Yeah, <laughs> my kid goes through a phase where he wants to watch the girl Ghostbusters. Oh, okay, cool. And it's not a bad movie. No. Oh, there are some legitimately funny parts with a host of legitimately really funny women. Yeah. yeah. But it just misses. And I don't know what it is, but if it wasn't called Ghostbusters, I think it would have done much better. I agree 100%. Attached to Ghostbusters yep. is what doomed that project. Now, me. I will say one of, I agree with you completely, and I don't think it, it deserves all the hate. I think there are moments in it that do feel like Ghostbusters, like when uh, Patty is in the subway and she and like she turns around and there's like the ghost spiked heads and everything. I was like, oh, okay, that feels Ghostbustery to me uh, because it was creepy. Because that was the thing I always said, like. Ghostbusters needs to be funny, but it needs to be creepy too. And they definitely nailed that in Afterlife. There was definitely yeah. creepy moments in it. In the all-female cast one, my big—I have two big issues with it. One is that they never acknowledged the original Ghostbusters. I think they—you could have easily done it as a one-line thing where they said like, "Hey, we could do this," and like, I don't know. I heard some guys tried doing this in the '80s, and it didn't go over so well. Like huh. that would have kept it in the universe. Yeah. Um, my and then. I don't like the fact that they did the cameos. Like I, I like the fact that they had the original cast, but I don't. I didn't like the fact that they were just playing all different characters. I think that was that's fan service to me. That's when you're doing fan service. You're throwing people in there that played characters, but they're not playing those characters anymore. Mm-hmm. That's when you're doing fan service. My biggest issue with that movie is you don't make strong female characters by making everyone around them idiots, and mm. every. <laughs> Every male character in that movie is a moron, is a complete idiot. And you don't elevate your female characters by making all the male characters absolute bumbling idiots. How you make strong female characters is you make everybody in the movie extremely smart, completely capable. They still can't get it done, and these ladies step it up and are able to get it done when no one else could. That's how you make a strong character. But at the same point, Chris Hemsworth was absolutely fantastic in that film. I agree, and it, and you could keep and I and I 100 percent agree with you. You can keep yeah. him as the stupid character. That's fine because you had yeah. Louis Tully in the original Ghostbusters. That's totally fine. So yes, yeah. keep him as the stupid character. I thought he was hilarious, but you don't need to make all the other characters equally as dumb. So right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I loved 
I loved Afterlife. I can't wait to watch it a, a hundred more times, and I know I will. So, <laughs> tell you what, if you see it, because I, I, I always I see movies a lot in theaters because I'm bored. Uh, <laughs> I went and saw it a second time, and I'm I'm just glad it held up. It it wasn't one of those films that you see it once and it's like, oh, that was so good, and you see it again. It's like, ah, uh, you start to pick it apart. Yeah, uh, that's what I did with Rise of Skywalker. I started picking it apart. Gotcha. Um, but this one is not that movie. This one is still just as good on on the subsequent viewing. So, and see, I've done that with Last Jedi. I still love Last Jedi. But mm. I have done the picking apart with that. Rise of Skywalker, for some reason, for me, is my favorite of the of the sequel trilogy. It, ah. I, I just, I enjoy it. I, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's technically a the best of the three. I'm just saying it's the one that I had the most fun rewatching. I think the whole trilogy. Boy, we went off on a tangent. Sorry about <laughs> we that. We always do on uh, this show. It's okay. <laughs> uh, the, the whole sequel trilogy is a trilogy of fantastic moments in yes. a jumbled up mess of a story. Yes. Well, and that's how I that's feel. That's what you get when you don't have fucking somebody in charge of the yes. overall story. Yeah. You three different people doing three different things. And but, honestly, that's I, how I feel yeah. about the prequel trilogy, though, too, is I feel like, uh, I've always, I've often said the, the original trilogy is is amazing moments with a really great story. The prequel trilogy is really great moments. And yeah. that's how, and yeah, I think that's how the sequel trilogy is too. I think there's some really great moments, but the story cohesively does fall apart in, in a lot of places. So yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it was, there were only certain things that Ryan Johnson could do with what was set up with like Luke Skywalker. There had to be a reason why Luke wasn't there. There had to be a reason why he was nowhere to be found whenever all hell was breaking loose. So that made sense. But some of the other choices that were made yeah. with other characters, it's like, God, why did you do that? But, you know, it kind of set off on this course, and I was expecting the third one to be, okay, here we go. Kylo Ren is finally, there's finally a Skywalker in charge of the galaxy. Kylo Ren answers to nobody. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see a Kylo Ren out there kicking ass, taking names, and it's going to take everybody to stop him in the First Order. God, did they puss out on that. It was just <laughs> You did. You don't have to redeem every Skywalker. People, come on now. Well, I I liked what they did with him a lot. Other than I didn't need him to die, and I didn't need there to be the kiss moment. Like I would have been totally fine if there was if Ray and him found common ground and became that dominant force together without it so without cool. it being without it being a romance type thing yeah. with it just being them. Oh. I, don't know, I I read the the duel of the fates script treatment the thing that Colin Trevorrow supposedly unleashed to the world and I think that would have been a very interesting first draft of something that needed about seven more rewrites mm-hmm. and you could have had a solid conclusion yeah to yeah. the saga yeah but they they played it too safe they were like no yeah. we can't piss anybody else off we have to make sure we check all these boxes of having the Raylo fans happy and yeah, yeah just yeah. ah. ah. But like I said, I still have fun watching it and rewatching it, and I know some of the reasons why I do, um, and they're, oh, yeah. they're they're my own. So it's it's probably the same reason like for Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi is my favorite. I'm not gonna say it's it's technically better than Empire. It's just my personal favorite. So of it's course. same thing with the sequel trilogy. Um, but going back to Ghostbusters, there. Oh yeah, is, that thing we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think there is 
Well, it's hard because we we went to something we could be critical about. I don't think there's really, like for me, there's not anything I can be critical about when it comes to afterlife. I think there was just everything worked and it was put together and it was well thought out. I think maybe the only thing I could be critical about is, um, I can't remember the actor's name, but the, the, the older brother. I felt like there were moments where I didn't know why he was even in the movie. Uh, oh, he had to, he had to fix the car. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was there was things like that where I was like, okay, this this he's a is an integral part, and then there was other points where I'm like, okay, he's not playing a role at all in any of this part of the story. <laughs> I, um, I question how like a like a 16 or 15 year old knows how to fix a car that's like 50 years old. <laughs> you know, my friend, the one that criticized the movie, uh, his sticking points were he he couldn't figure out. How that, how the 15 year old kid was so good with mechanics. And I mean, we don't know what, how he was raised. We right. don't know what his, he was like whenever they were in the city. Right. Uh, and his other sticking point was the, uh, I can't remember her name, but the main character, the girl, um, how she could Sophie? build. What's Phoebe. that? Was her name Sophie? No, no. Phoebe. 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 Thank Phoebe. You. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I, he couldn't figure out how Phoebe would know how to, uh, repair the proton pack. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, if you actually watch the movie and you listen to what I said, she said, my grandfather helped me figure right, it out. Right, right. It that, was right there. It's the right in the movie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they yeah. even show a little bit of it with, yeah. with him showing her what, what to grab and what to do. Well, and let's face it, she's, yeah, exactly. And let's face it, she's really smart, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole thing whenever people want to say, Mary Sue this and Mary yeah. Sue that. It's like, okay... Come on, man. Yeah. yeah, she's not... Now, had she been, like, a, a kick-ass... Like, if she was the one that repaired the car, and she was the, an amazing driver, and she repaired the proton pack, and she did... Like, then, yes... And she I'll, was only 12. Right. Then, yes, I'd say Mary Sue all day long. But, no, she was just an extremely smart, science-focused kid. I have no problem believing that with some guidance that she was able to fix that that proton pack and understand ghosts and stuff. Like, it makes sense for her character. So, um, okay. So last thing, speaking of ghosts, uh, Eric and I forgot to talk about this last time. So we're just going to talk about now, even though it's way past Halloween, um, Muppets haunted mansion. That's on Disney plus loved it. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, absolutely. I mean, just it, I'm assuming you guys have been to the haunted mansion. Oh yeah. Many times. Uh, Yeah. a, A few hundred times in my life, yes. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, come on. It was like beat for beat, walking yes. through the haunted, you know, going on the ride. You went from the room that stretches to the ballroom. It was... Just, with a, with, just with a Muppet theme to it, yeah. It was Which, fantastic. Ironically, I got my uh, my Muppets Haunted Mansion themed uh, uh, button-up shirts came in yesterday. Yes, yeah. I didn't uh, know that. D23. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's it's the it's the it's the Muppet version of the the Haunted Mansion wallpaper. That's fantastic. Yeah, the um yeah and the Haunted Mansion. I meant again mention this on Patreon. If you're not a Patreon member, you're missing out because I talk about a lot of side tangents, much like Scott was just saying we're doing with this episode. Like I really go on tangents uh, with the Patreon episodes. Eric can attest to that. Um, <laughs> but uh, haunt, the Haunted Mansion is my favorite Disney ride. That's a quote-unquote 
Disney ride, like one that was made for the Disney parks. Now I'm not talking about like the Star Wars ones or the Pixar rides and things like that. I'm right. talking about rides that were made. It's an original. For it's an original. Original ride. Disney ride. Yeah. Yeah. The Haunted Mansion is my favorite one out of those. Um, and uh, yeah, like you said, Scott, you're basically watching the ride every moment of this of this movie. Plus, it's done with Muppets, which you're already going to win me over there. Honestly, this is one of the best Muppet-produced things in recent years, in my opinion. I agree. So. Yeah, at least since The Christmas Carol. I, I go that yeah. far. Yeah. Yeah. I would go that far. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I love the, the updated Muppet movies that they did and everything else. I, I But I, I do think this was, like, above those for me. Yeah. Um, so. And then it was funny because you uh, once that was released, if you went to Disneyland out in the uh, – they've removed the trams. You still have to walk a mile to get to Disneyland from the uh, – and what we're season, we've been season pass holders since 97. Um, they had actually built a large – it almost looked like a mausoleum out in the – where the trams would normally stop. And it was surrounded with Muppets Haunted Mansion characters and gravestones and – and uh, photos, and it was amazing. A little walk-up. You could walk up and take your photos with them and all that. It oh, was just awesome. such a cool little addition to Disneyland. It was, cool. uh, was that was that the parking structure, or was it right there at Downtown Disney when you get off in front of uh, Right maybe? there at Downtown Disney. Okay. Wow. That's I don't I don't think I ever saw, like, as much Disney stuff as I absorb every day. I don't think I ever knew that happened. Yeah, yeah I'll send you some photos. It was it was really cool. My wife and I took a bunch of stuff. We're, we're dumb. We take selfies everywhere we go just for the hell of it. And we had to take photos in front of the uh, Haunted Mansion Muppet stuff. It was just yeah. it was fun. And I will say, Scott, of, of all the things I could be jealous of you about, that is the thing I'm most jealous about is I see all the pictures you post about how often you were at Disney. And I am, like, beyond <laughs> jealous because if I lived that close to Disney, I would be there all the time also. So We're going uh, – next week is my wife's birthday. We're going for her birthday for three days with our friends. And oh, wow. it's just going to be a big Disney fest next week. So Well – and I know that what I would how, how I would be if I lived that close to Disney because I we had we used to have a Sea World up here in Ohio and mm. my wife and I got season. wow that's out of place yeah right <laughs> it was here for decades it it eventually did close um, but we did get season passes the one year uh, and we we would just be sitting around and be like. Do you want to go see the dolphin show? And we would just drive, you pay for parking, and then you go see the dolphin show, and then you'd maybe check out one other thing, and then you go home. And like that's kind of like that's probably how it would be with if I had a season pass at Disney and I lived that close, I'd be like, All right, I want to go ride a few rides at Disney Disneyland or Disney World and well, that's it. I, I, that's what do, man. Yeah, I'm still an hour and a half away from it. But we will go and we'll say, Hey, let's go get dinner and or we would before because now there's there's a rigmarole to getting into the park. Sure. But we would go reservations and you gotta make sure your tickets Yeah. Anyway, we would go down just for dinner in Pirates of the Caribbean or dinner yeah. in the Haunted Mansion, you yeah. know, or but now, man, now that they've opened Batu and Galaxy's Edge and oh, I yeah. I could spend the entire day just there's two rides, but I could still spend the entire day going from place to place and just living in that world. It's yeah. so well, well done. I, I could eat like fifteen Ronto wraps, maybe. Right? <laughs> Especially the so breakfast good. ones are great. Oh I haven't I haven't had the breakfast one, but yeah. I've already yeah. told I've already told my wife that once we go there I'm never leaving. Um <laughs> I'm just gonna what? carve out a little hut inside inside of there, inside of Galaxy's Edge. And yeah. 
and I I will I will weep when I see the Falcon. I know I will. Oh, so. dude. <laughs> There's nothing like walking right up to it and going, holy shit, this thing is insane. <laughs> but, you know, if you're ever in California and you're going to Disneyland, drop me a line. Oh, and, we'll, I absolutely we'll will. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but, yeah, going back, <laughs> tangent again. Tangent. But, yes, uh, but Muppets Haunted Mansion, if you've not seen it and you like the Muppets at all or you like Haunted Mansion at all, you should watch it. If you like both of those things, you are required to watch it because, <laughs> because you're, I don't know why you haven't watched it yet. <laughs> my, my only complaint with the, with that special was the stuff with the bride and Pepe. I felt kind of was kind of horseshoe in. Like I understand why they had the bride there. Actually. Sure. Cause yeah. that's also my wife's favorite part of the, of the ride. Yeah. Um, it just, it felt, weird or off or different or something the rest of it was awesome and that just kind of dragged it down a bit for me gotcha uh, i i liked it I, I do agree that was a little bit like, creepier moments in it mm-hmm. um but again it's haunted mansion so i'm okay with the creepier um i loved that fozzy was the hat box ghost oh my god it was so <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry that was, that was perfect I'm just gonna laugh about it. <laughs> um oh. And then, still think I still think they're sitting on a freaking gold mine of of merch they could release based on that, and I don't know why they're not. Yeah, I mean they, I they released they, some things, but it was all D twenty three limited edition stuff. Like I got a Pepe pin and the shirts and stuff. But, they could know. do figures though. I mean, they've got the what is it? Yeah. Uh, Diamond Select. They could do absolutely. They could do Haunted Mansion toys. Uh, yeah. I want this to kind of set a precedent. Now I want to see the Pirates of the Caribbean done Muppet style. And oh I want to see, yeah. You mean you mean Muppets Treasure Island? <laughs> no, 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 no. no I, I mean like, like Kermit Jack Sparrow, you know, Captain Jack Kermit or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> um, but or yeah, and do the dun- Jungle Cruise, do the t- uh, Space Mountain, man. Space Mountain would be oh, fantastic. there we go. Yeah, that would. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, you already got pigs in space. You yeah, could Matterhorn with Harold, man. Come on, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it, it was brilliant, um, and I loved it, and I have watched it at least a few times already because it was it was just perfect. So I got to be all honest with you, and I can't lie, um, I, I forgot completely about the Muppets Treasure Island. I forgot that existed. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, I, that no, is a no, good no, one. that's just because I forgot. Yeah, that is a good one too. Though no. Tim Curry, man, Tim Curry, right? It's not my fault. I'm old. I forget things. Oh yeah, that's the Star Wars. I don't forget Star Wars stuff. No. But I forget things in Star Wars sometimes, and then I kick myself because I forgot them. So, <laughs> and last but not least, one of the things I forgot to mention too is uh, Elders of the Runestone is finally out, uh, and I mean like it's actually done. It's out. I know it took a long time, uh, but wanted to let you guys know how you can get a copy of it. I actually just re- received mine uh, a few days ago. I haven't read it yet. I've just flipped through it. The art looks amazing. Looks like it should be a really fun story. Uh, it's a, a trade where you can get. For it, the first four issues together, plus like some behind the scenes artwork and uh, and some other insight and everything else into the story. Um, it's really cool. Uh, I would recommend going and checking it out. You don't have to wait like the rest of us that d- did the uh, Kickstarter. Um, I know we joked for a long time about how it took them so long. They're aware of it. They know it took them a long time. Um, but hopefully it's something that was worth the wait. Like I said, you can order it now. You can actually go to uh, runestonecomic.com. So R-U-N-E-S-T-O-N-E-C-O-M-I-C 
Um, I think I spelled that right. Um, but you can go there. Uh, you can order a copy and get uh, get the trade, everything to uh, to read the first four issues. Um, I know that they have told me that they are already done with the next three issues. So won't have to wait as long to see the, the story continue and everything. Um, but yeah, they're, they're on a good pace now and everything else. Like I said, I, I mean, I'm not sorry it took that long. I, you know, I guess I'm a little sorry that it took that long because I helped support uh, the Kickstarter like by letting you guys know about it. I know a lot of you guys backed it and everything else. Hopefully you've gotten your copy now. Hopefully you really enjoyed it, um, but I, I'm glad the story is there. I'm looking forward to reading it and checking it out and seeing, uh, you know, what this was all about, what I've been waiting for, seeing what this story is all about and everything else. So, like I said, if you didn't do the the Kickstarter, you're you know you're new to the the show in the last ten years, um, then and you're interested in seeing what it is, like I said, you won't have to wait. You can actually order it, and they're ready to ship out to you right away. Just go to runestonecomic.com and you can place your order there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's friends of ours that of the show that did it. Uh, Quinn Johnson, who's been on the show a couple times um, to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he's talked about Disney Infinity. Robert, who is co-host of the show, he's been on many, many times, did the artwork. So, um, so yeah, worth checking out. All right. So that's that. Yeah, we covered a lot. And uh, I think we hit everything. Uh, you guys can message me later and be like, Hey, we forgot to talk about this, but, <laughs> but I think we, I think we shot our bolt for this episode. <laughs> um, Eric, uh, we'll start with you. Where can people find you? Facebook. Yeah. So that's about it. Yep. And Scott, go ahead and plug every thousand <laughs> things that you're doing. So Jesus so much. <laughs> uh, you can find me, uh, Scott Kruger. Uh, I also go by Scott solo on the, uh, Sarlacc digest. You can find us. We've got a special group where we talk about nothing but star Wars and, uh, it's the Sarlacc digest central. It's on Facebook. I also do my, uh, pretty much anything, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. It's Sarlacc digest. Um, TikTok. I do my one minute toy reviews on TikTok, and I, I send them over to YouTube because not every, I don't even like doing TikTok videos, but I do it for the <laughs> sake of the show. I think it's got, okay. So I sign up for TikTok. I say I'm a 46 year at the time, 46 year old man. Uh, what are my interests? My interests are Star Wars, toys and collectibles. I put it in there and the very first thing I have that pops up in the for you page is a woman dancing in a bra with her boobs <laughs> jiggling all over the place. I'm like, what the hell? And then I, I showed it to my wife and I said, I didn't do this. This is not me. <laughs> they made me look at this. Uh, it's seriously, TikTok is awful. But yeah. uh, Sarlacc Digest podcast on TikTok. Find me there. Uh, also, if you want to check out my artwork on Instagram, uh, check out the art of Scott Solo. And uh, you, I, all my artwork's posted on there. So that's it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm tempted because I did really, I did TikTok for Stealth Hammer. Uh, and I haven't done anything since doing that. I should probably do an, another post or so, uh, on there. Just keep up people up to date, but I have been tempted to, to, uh, cause you inspired me to do so, uh, that once I start getting caught up on some of my star Joe's comic titles, doing like a one minute, uh, comic review of star okay. Joe's titles. So, um, cause I, I like what you're doing with the toy review. And I was like, well, I wouldn't do the toy reviews, but I could definitely do comic reviews that way. So yeah. And they're... what's that? 
just go, this comic sucks. Don't read it. Bye. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they give you three minutes now. You actually yes. get three minutes. And I very rarely ever have an actual one minute long review. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it quickly became I mean, I went from zero to 60 on that thing, man. I, I started yeah. uh, just a few months ago and I now have almost a thousand subscribers and people are commenting all the time. It, yeah. It's pretty insane how quickly it took off yeah and i and just from doing the ones for stealth hammer i found how quickly i can do those videos especially because i think what i would do if i do the comic ones and did a star joe's one um i would just put the comic cover behind me and just have it be that way so and then put myself like a little bit smaller where you can see the comic cover and i can talk about the comic and everything else and just do it really quick and with a lot of movement and this uh, jackass, he's a, he's on my show, and we're talking about TikTok, and I say, yeah, man, you got to be kind of, you got to kind of move around a little bit, you got to be a little kin- bit kinetic. And next, uh, the next TikTok Ryan does, he's jumping all over the place. Somebody <laughs> told me I needed to do this, so here we go. And I'm like, oh man. And guess what? That one got like hundreds of views. Am I right? <laughs> you were totally right. And then the next one got like 40 because I wasn't moving around, so. Like, There's something about the movement. You got to be moving around. Yeah, yeah. it God, was it was so funny. Dumb. Oh, I knew where I was pulling it from. I just <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah. So and and then I had fun doing uh, making myself sound like a chipmunk, and I was saying I was doing a very serious video. That was a fun one to do. That like, was great. Every time, every time I did one. I would bring it down to my wife and be like, are you ready for this one? And she'd be like, no, I'm not ready for this one. <laughs> I, I have a strict no uh, Sarlacc digest in the house. Whenever Julie, uh, that's my wife, Jules, she'll uh, look up something and all of a sudden I'll, I'll just hear, what's up, nerd? Scott Solo here from the Sarlacc Digest podcast. Coming at you with another one minute. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I and, uh, I was actually showing I was actually showing Jamie what I had done uh, because it was just like I'm like I wanted to see how much I could make her eyes roll with yeah. what I did or how much I could make her not ex- not see what was coming. Um, so I did stuff like that, and then it was fun for me because I had someone that I worked with that like like really liked the comic and really loved Ari the elf. And she's like, I always wonder what Ari would sound like. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I know what Ari sounds like. Cause he lives in my head. Um, <laughs> so I was like, that's what happens when you create a comic. These characters now live in your head and you know yeah. how they sound and you know how they talk. And uh, I was like, Oh yeah, I could talk like Ari, like nothing. She goes, okay, you're gonna have to do that sometime for me. Like if I see you in person again, I was like, okay. So then when I was doing the TikTok one, I was like, okay, this is my chance to have Ari talk. So I totally threw, made up a voice and totally threw it on there and literally had a couple people go to me like, who did the voice of Ari? I was like, that was me. <laughs> like, it was literally me. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, one of the most horrifying things to happen. I, I work at a university. That's mm-hmm. what I do for a living, my day job. And my student assistant shows up for work one day and he sits down and he looks at me and he goes, I found your TikTok channel. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. He's like, I, I, I subscribed. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Just, just don't. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, you got to love it when stuff like that happens. Uh, I was at... I was at the, uh, one of the fun things for me with the comic, like as much as I love, you know, I love and have been blessed with like, you know, news things and all that, like that's been awesome. But one of the most fun things for me is when like I hear something from someone that didn't expect that I was right there. And I went to the comic shop to drop off more issues and I dropped off flyers for when I was doing the, the second Kickstarter that 
they had there for people that they could pass out to people. And someone went up to the counter and said, saw the flyer there, and he's like, oh, cool, he's doing another issue. And the guy at the the cashier there, who I know really well, turned turns to him and goes, oh, yeah, he's right there. <laughs> he's like, that's the creator right there. And he's like, he turns to me and goes, I really like that first issue. <laughs> I was like, cool. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So those are the moments that I love the most is when you get to, like, interact and meet someone, especially when they didn't realize that you were the one <laughs> doing it. <laughs> The, the flip side of that, not in a negative way, but the flip side of it was one other time when I was dropping issues off there, there was an older lady that saw me on the news and she went up there to get it for her grandkids and she's checking out and she's like, yeah, I saw this on the news. I think my grandkids are really going to like it. And the, again, the, the cashier guy goes, well, you know, that's the author right over there. And she looked at me and I was like, hi, yeah, I was, I was the one that wrote that. And she looked at me like, there's no way that the writer of this is actually here in the shop. <laughs> like she just did Where? not. Yeah. She just did not. She gave me that look like, I don't believe you. Like, <laughs> like you guys are, you guys are pulling some type of scam on me right now. I just don't believe it. And she just kind of like smiled and nodded and just gave me that look that I just knew. Yep. I don't believe you at all. And then walked out of the store and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I turned to the, the guy, my buddy that works there. And I just said, I don't think she believed me. He goes, yeah, I don't think she believed me either. <laughs> I mean, didn't she just say she saw you on the news? Well, yeah. So you would think. <laughs> I mean, the face. It's got to, like, match up, right? You would think. I actually almost wanted to pull my driver's license out and have her open up the cover <laughs> to see the name in there and show me, you know, hey, see, it really is me. Like, because I actually said to her, I was like, if you want me to, I'll sign it for you. And she's like, no, that's okay. <laughs> So, oh, God. so this is my life now. So, <laughs> but I'm okay with it. That's great. Um, so yeah, so, uh, that wraps up everything. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. I do sincerely mean it when I, when I say I want to have you on again in the future. Um, been, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a blast. So, um, but with that, uh, Eric, you ready for the end? Yep. Okay. <laughs> with that, we'll go ahead and close by saying the force will be with you. Because no one else is half the battle. Take care, everyone.